What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 57 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Go grab yourself some body armor. Combo Nation, we are out here. Man, happy holidays, everyone. And today's show, Beatball Breakdown Zone, Coach Nick returns to Combo's Court, man. We discuss some of the upcoming draft prospects, skill development, the Dame vs. Russ matchup, plus so much more. Make sure you go subscribe to Coach Nick's YouTube channel, B-Ball Breakdown, man. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter as well, at B-Ball Breakdown. You know you can follow me on Instagram, at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app. Shout out to the Spotify community as well. We see you. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca on the track. ball breakdown how you feeling today man oh i'm just uh, i'm already exhausted from the playoffs i've been doing you know multiple videos a day and then staying up really late so i'm hanging in there but it's not easy <laughs> well how long does it take you know a lot of your videos that i see are seven to eight minutes obviously you have longer ones around 20 how long does a video usually take for you to make well um normally i would have been done a lot earlier on this one but i had to take my kids to school so i probably only got started at around uh you know let's say 8 45 so 9 45 10 45 11 45 12 45 so you know i would say four hours is probably the fastest i can do a normal game breakdown especially it's easier if i've watched the game before i've done it uh and have a, have a sense of it already but i would say the, the quickest i can do is four maybe it's probably five five and a half I'm sure when you first started it took a lot longer though like you must get more efficient over time uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I certainly think back then too, the, the technology was a lot harder to, to get all the footage and that's also, uh, saved a lot of time. So yeah, but it, there's no question, you know, uh, editing is quicker, uh, writing the voiceover, all that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's been more efficient for sure. Well, the video has been great. I've been enjoying them. Everybody go follow or subscribe actually, uh, to B-Ball Breakdown on YouTube. Um, so last time you were here, man, we were kind of in agreement, like the player that we want, the type of player that we like on our team would be like the six, nine guy who could switch, who could shoot the three, you know, it fits so well in today's NBA. So is it safe to say that Cam Reddish, are you a little bit higher on him than others might be? You know, I haven't even really studied him as much as I need to. Yeah. So, you know, I got to get my eyes on him in summer league when he's playing against all the uh, pros. It's right. so hard now, especially in the, with the college game, the way it is, uh, you kind of just, you know, it, 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 that's the hardest thing. In fact, I'm going to be doing a talk on it this summer uh, about why we miss um, you know, like when a player gets to the NBA and all of a sudden he starts scoring a lot better than we ever saw him in the NBA, you know, right. it's like there, there's ways to do it, but it's kind of hard until you after the fact to see, you know, what's going on, the way the coaches are playing, the way they run their systems, the way to translate. So, you know, there, there's definitely something there. He's, he's got an incredible amount of ability. Um, can he can he shoot, though? Yeah, I mean, it looks like he looks like one of those that guys that he could get it off easy. And I feel like when he gets to the NBA, he's going to 
he's going to become a better shooter with more reps. He won't have to go to class. That's how I feel. It's a very smooth release, and I just feel like he will get more efficient. He wasn't knocking them down at a high rate, but I feel like it'll get better, you know? Uh, okay. I mean, it's certainly – I always err towards being a little bit more um, uh, optimistic about that stuff because we do have good training and things like that. Um, you know, a lot of times the stats guys, though, I mean, granted, we're not going to have a huge sample size because he's only going to play for a year. Yeah. But the stats guys will look at, you know, 33%, three-point percentage, 77% from the free-throw line. And they put all those numbers together, and something tends to indicate to them that, you know, there, there's, you know, it's hard. to. They, they might not say, based on the numbers, that, yeah, he's going to be a really good three-point shooter. But I'm not even sure he needs to be that. If he's average, that, that'll still be a pretty solid uh, addition that the team would want that for sure. Are you convinced that his teammate Zion is a generational player? Pretty convinced, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, look at what, like, even a guy like Montrez Harrell does now in the NBA. Right. In a way that you would have thought for sure. Oh, he's, you know, he was one of those, um, it, it was almost like Kenneth Fareed was like a Crow Magnet man in the sense that, you know, he came into the league high energy, always going to be really good, but then the league switched so quickly that he became obsolete um, in a way that, Montrez Harrell was almost the same way, maybe even a guy like um, uh, Julius Randle. But all of a sudden, you know, these guys are finding ways to do it when, you have, when you're tough and you're athletic. And by the way, if Julius Randle is this guy's floor because he's so much more athletic, then you can imagine that 20 and 10 is his floor. No, I agree 100%. And speaking on the draft, man, I've been reading uh, Rick Pitino's book, and, and he has a quote saying, believe me, millions of dollars are spent analyzing talent and potential at both the college recruiting level and the NBA draft. And yet, the, and yet the only sure thing is that there is no such thing as a sure thing. But do you feel like with all the advanced analytics, we have a lot more access to video. Are we getting closer to having less bus and being like, is there more of a science to it now? You know, there's a lot of NBA teams that, that consistently nail their picks. Now, everybody's got mistakes. Everyone's got busts. There's no question about that. But why do certain teams seem to have a lot less bust than other teams? And clearly, they are utilizing everything. So I think that the advanced analytics are important. Um, you know, the funny thing is when scouting happens and they feel like it's so important to actually go to the games, and I get it, you want to see how they react to the coaches and uh, all in the locker room and all that stuff, but I don't know. Like, I feel like I can evaluate at least the talent on the court as well sitting in my computer going frame by frame than I would – in, a, in an arena where I might miss something because somebody walks in front of me or uh, yeah. there's three other players in front of them that you can't quite see. There is no replay. So um, I'm actually a little bit, uh, you know, uh, willing to say it's not as necessary to actually be in the arena to evaluate the talent on the court. And yet a lot of money is spent and a lot of time is spent doing that. And I think that that could also get a lot more efficient. Is there some, is there some value in actually being there in person? Well, only in the sense that, you know, as a person, chemistry, those things. The coach yells at him, how is he going to react? Because you can't see that on TV. But right, other right. than that, honestly, uh, if you're talking about strictly talent and, uh, you know, and you get a great report from his coach and all his family and all these different friends of his, then, then I, I don't know. I honestly I don't know how valuable it is to, to try and get a seat where it might, not, it might not be a great seat. You might not be able to see as well anyway. And uh, I just feel like it's a lot of wasted man hours. Yeah, let's segue to this, man. Ben Simmons, you've done videos on this before. Can he become a Hall of Famer without ever getting a jump shot? You know, in this day and age, I don't know. And I don't even know what how you get in the Hall of Fame these days anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it makes me throw up my hands sometimes. But, um, you know, listen, what would it would be based on the numbers in theory. And, you know, if he could average, 
20 and, you know, nine rebounds and nine assists or whatever the average, something like that for most of his career, you know, that's probably good enough to get him in the hall of fame. Yeah. Um, but it, it might, you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see. He needs a few more years, I would imagine. But, you know, I've been kind of railing on this and the way they play their offense and the way they just minimize him because he doesn't shoot. Uh, and maybe it's his choice to kind of float down to the low block and the weak side and stand there. But um, if that's the case, and we keep seeing, and, you know, we saw in game one where he was like negative 20 plus minus. In the game two, he was great. He figured some things out. But if, if he continues to have a problem like he did last year and then in the game one of this year, then that's going to be a stigma attached to him, and uh, that might hold him back. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that Joel Embiid has a higher ceiling than him, but he's more injury prone. If you could keep, if you only could keep one of them, and you were running the Sixers, who would you keep for the future? Uh, you got well, you know, <laughs> the only thing that gives me pause because it would be Joel Embiid in a heartbeat every time is the injury stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I, but I, I usually like to operate in the sense that you know guys aren't going to get injured. Um, you know, is there is there indications that that will keep happening with the way he crashes to the floor all the time? Yeah. Um, and perhaps even his mechanics and the way he runs, there might be some indication there. Like, okay, there's going to be some, the knee issues are going to be a problem his entire career. So um, absent that kind of analysis, which would require, you know, the real upper level um, biomechanics analysis, which I've heard other people talk about, uh, you got to pick Embiid, but uh, there is a little bit of a pause only because of that injury uh, prone nature of his. Um, Dame Lillard, man, is it, is it clear now that he's just a better basketball player than Russ? Yes. <laughs> and I was railing about that last night or the night. Um, there is no question. And I, and I wrote this, I wrote a tweet where I said, and it was a really big Russ subtweet where I said, having a point guard that can shoot from distance gives your team a distinct advantage in this day and age. Russ had one of the five worst all time shooting uh, seasons from a starting guard like ever this year. And it's changed his game, and some of it's almost good because he's a little bit more willing to pass the ball than throw it up early. Um, so that's kind of good, but it also has made him in this weird sort of quasi-passive uh, mode that makes him not a threat. So yeah. I have to imagine playoff teams are like, this is, they're not necessarily worried about him. Uh, and going forward, like maybe he'll improve that, that, that his shooting again, and he'll be less likely to play like this. But his free throw shooting was even really down. Um, and so he's just a, a problem that, uh, you know, I think we're seeing the ceiling with teams that are led by him if he continues to play the way he plays. Uh, if he were to change, you know, and, and change his role and, and, you know, be less ball dominant. I hate to say he's, he's that, that term only because he does give it up more now. But there's just obviously there's something wrong with what's going on with him. And without question, you're talking about the head-to-head matchup. I mean, Lillard is just destroying him. And it's been really fun to see. Now, I cannot wait for game three because it should be – this is his chance. And he's yeah. going to get a great opportunity. And uh, I cannot wait to see if he's going to come through. This will kind of let me know how much value you put on shooting. I kind of struggle with this question. Who do you feel is a better basketball player, Steph Curry or Jason Kidd? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, um, you know, people have forgotten Jason Kidd at his prime. Yeah. Right. And ridiculous. He, ridiculous he would dominate the game without ever shooting. Exactly. Um, you know, and you know who it was like, it kind of reminded me of a uh, Zinedine Zidane, you know, the, the soccer player. Right. Um, right. You know, he was a lot like that where he just controlled the action on both sides of the ball. So, you know, there's more profound effect on the defensive end, even though I think that Steph Curry is an excellent defender. 
Um, and, and Jason Kidd had a more a better physical, you know, his body was bigger and stronger. And that was, that was, you know, an intangible that Steph Curry simply cannot have. But when you watch Steph Curry's effect overall, then his, he, he is so much more profoundly effective on the offensive end because of his distance shooting when that opens up um, that I, I, I would still probably tilt it more towards Steph because even if, um, if, if uh, Jason Kidd was equally dominant on the, on the defensive end, uh, there's still more weight to be put on the offensive side no matter what. And that's where Steph will get the, you know, they'll push him up higher. It's really close. Yeah, it um, is close. It is. And I don't want to take any way, anything away from uh, from Jason Kidd, but I don't know. In this day and age, the way the game's played now, you got to choose Steph. Right. I could, well, definitely in this day and age. So I guess it de- kind of depends on what era we're talking about. It is definitely a tough question. Um, yeah. Have you, have you had the chance to see John Morant play? Uh, well, I did. I mean, I did a breakdown of his triple double in the tournament and I, you know, I I had seen highlights before and after I cannot wait to kind of do an even deeper dive, but I mean, you're talking about Lillard, uh, you know, he looks like he's kind of fouling in that, like some sort of a mix between Russ and Lillard, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, we all seen the dunks and all the highlights kind of like how Zion was, you know, everybody knew him for, uh, the athleticism, but his, Vision is just he might have he might have the most vision. He might be the best passer in this year's draft. Oh, I, I agree. Right. So then you know as you're talking a little bit along those lines of like Trey Young, but for a guy that's six three and got a has a pro body. Um yeah. and by the way, Trey Young did awesome the second half of the year and should should be considered for rookie of the year. Do and you think dude, so? I, I can't agree with you on that one. I think it Luca Oh, it's a I, definite. I, I mean, Luca will win it. And I just did a video on the athletic about it where, yeah. um, you know, he his second half of the season rivaled Luca's. So the only, you know, consideration to say is, OK, well, Luca did it for longer. So that means he must win it. But honestly, he, the last, you know, 35, 40 games that Trey Young played were, were really incredible. Uh, True. His passing, his vision, he shot much better. And he actually he tailed off a little bit here and there. So otherwise he would have had over 40% three point shooting for the most part on the second half. So I get it. But if we're looking at like just where they fit and how they're going and how that, how they, how they evolved throughout the season, then, I mean, young is right there. And then, you know, John Morant is also right there with his vision too, but man, he, he, he's so much better of an athlete than a guy like Trey young that I would anticipate him, you know, who knows, maybe he has a 20 game acclimation period or, or so, but uh, I would expect him to just, uh, you know, get a lot of these um, opportunities with every team he's going to go to and just dominate eventually. Yeah, I think Trey Young's going to be great. I think he's going to be a multiple-time All-Star. I just do have a concern, like, deep in the playoffs with any team, like, not even on the ball, just as a help defender, he's almost, like, non-existent. Yeah, no, it is a concern for sure. And he'll have to figure things out the way, you know, Steph Curry figured it out. Uh, you know, and Steph, you know, again, people want to, you know, poo-poo his defense, but his positioning, his hands, and the way he not, uh, he deflects balls is fantastic. And it, it does – he maximizes what he can do for his body, and that's all Trey is going to need to do. Remember, even if he's a, a bit of a negative on defense, if he's a much more bit much much more of a positive on offense than he's a positive – A la Nash. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I never thought Nash got completely – I mean, everybody gets destroyed. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Everyone is going to go and get made, you know, completely embarrassed at least once or twice a game. So I never thought that Nash got embarrassed more often than like most other guys did anyway. So, yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, there's, there's a couple of those seasons where the most random, horrible stuff happened that would never happen in a million years. And they didn't they, they didn't get to the finals. Of the- Have you uh, had the chance to see Taco Fall play? Um, I have not. Wait, is he the big guy? Yeah. 
Well, I watched the one game where he fouled out, right? Uh, well, I'm sorry. Remind me what game that was. He played pretty well against Duke. I remember that. Oh, they were, that was the game. Yeah. 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 And, and then that they were going to, Duke was going to lose. And that was the tip in that they missed at the buzzer. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's, he's solid. You know, I, I have to watch more of it again. I, I missed out my opportunity. I usually go do a huge deep dive right before the tournament starts and watch a ton of stuff. And for whatever reason, that just was so busy with the NBA. I never got to it, but I did see him play there. Um, and he, you know, he certainly has a good presence uh, on the floor defensively. I don't think he's got a ton of skill on the offensive end, right? I, I know right. I'm having to remind, search my mind. Yeah. Uh, it's, I've been watching way too much uh, of basketball. I can't even keep it all straight. So, <laughs> but I, but you know, he definitely seemed like a guy who's like, okay, you know, I, I'd like to see him on the back. I mean, he certainly, you know, is an NBA player uh, or, you know, could be a big guy, high energy at the very least. And, and, you know, can he be like a Capella kind of guy? I, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I, I it, it's just going to be hard for him because, you know, against Duke, like the way he was so successful in that game, they just planted him underneath the rim. And you can't really, yeah, right. you can't really do that in the NBA. I, I have concerns about him because he doesn't run the floor like a Gobert or a Capella, you know? Yeah. I, but I do think if he was born, I think he's like late. Like, I think if he was born in the, like 10 years earlier, he could have been a very effective player in the NBA. Yeah, no, I agree. And by the way, whenever we say that, someone will come along in an old school way and still be successful. And, you know, everyone will say, oh, you know, we thought that was dead. So you never know. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I got to see him with some other pros, too. He's not it, certainly I'm not saying like Zion, who's going to he's going to be, you know, he can be an all star. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. But I think he can, you know, he can he can fit on a roster. Let's take it to skill development. Oh, in this day and age, do you feel players should be working on their same hand finishes as much as like a traditional finish? Um, the yes, yeah, I mean, you know, off foot, yeah, know, is that what you mean? Like, yeah, yeah, without question, you know, here's what happens when young kids start to play basketball, they usually shoot off the, off the you know, the off foot layups, and then coaches spend their entire youth trying to train that out of them, and then all of a sudden they realize, you know what, we, we actually need that shot. So that's what frustrates me to no end is that they need we need that. So, without question, you need to have both, um, you know, to be able to catch the defense off guard and get it up quicker. Uh, or different angles. Yes, for sure. Coach Nick, man, thanks for being here. You're always welcome back on the show. It's always great talking basketball with you. And uh, where can we find you? Oh, well, you know, if you look at B-Ball Breakdown anywhere, you'll probably find me pretty easily, certainly on YouTube. Typing in B-Ball, I think it autofills for you. And then uh, Twitter is B-Ball Breakdown. Instagram, follow me on Instagram. I want, want some more followers there. We're doing some interesting stuff there. And then Facebook. Actually, if you want to watch the videos, just go over to Facebook and watch them for me, would you? That would be even better for everybody. Uh, and uh, that's where you can find me. Anywhere that, and, and anywhere else I might pop up, uh, you know, like on your show. I always appreciate you being here. I've been really enjoying the videos. Keep up the great work, Nick, and I'll, and I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Thanks. There it is. Episode 57. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big shouts to Coach Nick for joining in. We appreciate you. Let me know how you feel about this episode right on the comment section of your Apple Podcast app. Leave a five-star rating as well. Be on the lookout for episode 58. Combo out.